With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hey, I actually have the sound effects working this time. You do? Check this out. I press this button. Well, <laughs> I press this button. Look at that, the power. Oh, power. Recorded live. We can do that over and over again, but how about we just go to the intro here? We're just going to do the intro and take it away. Welcome to Cellar Dwellers Home Winemaking Talkcast with Dave Nelson and the other guy. Hey, Passionate One, we're back on the air again. Can you hear me eating? I can hear you eating. And I must say for the uh, listeners out there, both those live and uh, listening to the recording, there is quite the spread of food here on the table. First of all, we're drinking, what is this, uh, a quick toast to the 2007 Syrah. To the 2007 Syrah, but to the 2009 return of the cellar dwellers. There you go. This is actually our third show in four in, weeks. That's in, pretty amazing. That is amazing. <laughs> and we almost and, have the technology figured uh, out. No, we're nowhere close. But <laughs> true to form, we advertised we were going to do this show tomorrow night, and here we show up on a Sunday night instead of a Monday. So we've completely thrown our listeners off the trail once again. Yeah, but that's how, just how prepared we are. We're a day early. <laughs> early, early. <laughs> Except we're supposed to be going at 8 o'clock Eastern time, and it's now 8.12, so we're... We're a day early, but 12 minutes late. We're 12 minutes shy of a day early. Pretty much uh, you know, par for the course. But in front of us, um, uh, the Passionate One's wife has prepared a beautiful spread of, this looks like very thinly cut. Is that a sourdough bread? It's actually, I believe, a potato bread. Oh, it looks so dense. And so I'm, I'm going to buy that. And there then, of course, go. there are uh, roasted potatoes, uh, grilled salmon, capers, uh, sour cream. Wow. And the 07 uh, The 07 Syrah. Syrah. Now, Syrah, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily pair up with um, salmon. Mm. I mean, usually you'd want a lighter uh, red, but like a, a Pinot Noir, you know, which is usually good for a, a, a more firmer fish like a salmon or a tuna or something like that. But it's what I had tonight for dinner, and I'll tell you oh, what. Oh, man. It shows up pretty nicely. The whole theory about, you know, red wine versus white wine with fish versus beef or whatever, I say, you know, pick your favorite wine with your favorite food, and don't worry if it's red or white or fish or whatever. Just have fun with it. Well, I think that's one of the better uh, revelations in recent wine uh, opinions. Are you giving me credit for an opinion? This is no, a, no, folks, you didn't, this you didn't, has never happened before. No, because you didn't come up with it. I mean, oh, I see. I read this. <laughs> I read this many times. You know so what the I fact like? That I just came up with that originally. Well, you're I like, not giving me any credit for. I like the wine. You know, as as the wine industry in the U.S. has exploded, and it has over what would you say the past 15 years? Uh, even maybe even more than that. It may go back before that, yeah, but I mean, 70s it really took off. But yeah. okay, I'll give you 15 years. Yeah, I mean, who who. 
who went out and would order a bottle of wine or glasses of wine? Or now you see college kids sitting around in a bar drinking, drinking wine, wine, exactly. Instead of you know Miller Lite or you know Coors Light or whatever. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Um, but prior to that, you know, the red wine, white wine snobbery. I love the um, uh, the philosophy of hey, drink what you like with whatever you're eating. And that will work. Now, right. now I, I, I will agree that certain wines, are, you know, when they're paired with someone who really knows what they're doing, which you and I have both experienced, that is magical. Oh, it is, because you get a, um, a, a, a fish that maybe has, uh, uh, you know, some butter and lemon, and that cuts the acidity of a white wine just beautifully, so you taste the, you know, fruits that you might not otherwise taste. And I do agree. In fact, one of the more interesting People that I ever saw speak on on wine was uh, Eddie Osterlin, who is uh, a master sommelier. And was he the first? He was uh, the first in the U.S. Right? Exactly right. This was a big tradition back in France, and they never thought anyone in the U.S. could ever qualify for uh, such a um, um, I don't know honor or title. But uh, one of the things Eddie told us was to put food and wine in your mouth at the same time, and that is actually an amazing combination. So. Um, good advice. Hey, so um, we're back with another show. We're going head-to-head with the Steelers tonight, so probably most of our Pittsburgh audience is... Uh, That's why I'm amazed we don't have thousands of listeners. <laughs> well, it's the Steeler game. It was, I mean, yeah. We have an excuse tonight. Another um, you know, brilliant programming move on our part. But we're back together we again. We are. We're physically together. Um, and I have to say, after the last show, which was really a lot of fun when we talked with Carl, our Carl, the great man. Our great connection in, in Cleveland, and it, we're getting really excited because it should be in the next uh, couple of weeks that the harvest is coming in. But we, it was the first time we did a remote show where we, we, where we weren't in the studio together. And I have to tell you, now being back with you and seeing you, I can say this from the bottom of my heart, you have the perfect face for radio. <laughs> <laughs> or podcasting, as it were. And by the way, we are podcasting from yet another new location. We are in the Passionate Ones new house. Yes. What would you call these, mustard walls here? Well, we're in what is is the office, which is going to be totally remodeled, but it's sort of a um, light pumpkin mustard kind of color. A very here. light pumpkin, yeah. heavy yeah. mustard. Yeah, and uh, and being prepared to be sort of torn out and redone in as, a, as an office, but having a great time here with some good food. It was uh, a little bit cooler than usual fall for the first couple of days of October. Uh, we're probably more almost a month ahead of in terms of the coldness today. I think. No, I think you're right, and in fact, both you and I have been out there experiencing it. Uh, Last, uh, yesterday actually, you jumped on your bike and rode all the way from here, we're, um, North Hills of Pittsburgh, North Hills of Pittsburgh up to Slippery Rock. And I must say, Slippery Rock is the name of uh, a city that I remember quite well from being maybe eight or nine, the Prudential College scoreboard, Slippery Rock University, or maybe it was a college back then. I don't. It was a college back then. Yeah, yeah, but I always, you know, they always reported on the score, and I just thought that was such a cool name for a uh, a, a college team, Slippery Rock. And and here you are riding up to the place. Up to the place, and and a little bit of trivia: the first Bulls to graduate from college was my brother. From Slippery Rock. Really? In 1975. The first one in your family. First one in the family. My father went to Duquesne University, but was probably about 12 credits short of a, of a degree. 
back in, we're talking back in the 40s, uh, after the GI Bill and all that, but was working and just never, um, never pursued it. Oh, and my computer's crashing. But anyway, <laughs> that will nice, slow us down. Technologically, we're just having all sorts of glitches here tonight. I got to tell you, I'm so close to being able to run this show off of a a single Mac. All the sound effects and all the voices, and even recording a, a high quality uh, audio. So this is uh, recording actually over the telephone network. So we're only at eight kilohertz tonight, not sixteen. And I couldn't get the whole thing quite to work. And we have about I'm going to say, oh, I don't know, seven, dollars $800 worth of equipment, not counting the computers here in this room to make the show work tonight from your remote mustard-colored den. But I am so close to taking this up a level. One last problem to solve. It was so frustrating today, but we're going to get there. Well, and, and I understand uh, TalkShoe is uh, uh, having uh, still setting records with – Shows and listeners and yeah, I actually just saw the numbers on um, number of callers and caller minutes. Uh, I got this just in the last couple of days, the report for September, and uh, more than 2.1 million caller minutes in uh, September. Holy moly! Yeah, that's a lot of a lot of people. So anyway, here we are with another show of Cellar uh, Dwellers. I am uh, Dave the numbers guy, and you are the passionate one. The other guy. The other guy. Back and for a yet? What, what show number would this be? Are we getting close to 60? Uh, we are on show 67, believe wow. it or not. 67. Time flies. And tonight we're going to talk about uh, homemade wine with real grapes. So all of you out there, if you've never made wine, we want to bring you into the home wine-making circle. If you've been and making... Why, why, would you, why would you go to the extra step of, of, of actually going to grapes. That, well, yeah. That's the essence of the if show. If you're a kit winemaker, we want to bring you over that last step. And let's, Not let's that there's get our... anything wrong with the kit. <laughs> Anyone out there who manufactures kits, we'd love you to sponsor the show. So nothing wrong with kits, especially if you're a French kit maker. Uh, we're perfectly happy to have you. But we are going to talk about why to take that one last step. Indeed, especially this time of year when the harvest is coming. As we said, we talked to Carl, the great man from, from uh, Cleveland. Hey, if you missed last Monday's show, go listen to the recording. It was really fun talking to Carl. It was a lot of fun talking to him. He's, he's got a lot of uh, experience and insight and knowledge about uh, winemaking and, and grapes and the vineyards and the, and the uh, growers in, and farmers in California. And there's some great connections, very close connections, I mean, where he's getting literally – micro um, uh, regions uh, reports oh, like, yeah. of, of lindy vineyards right from yeah you know. yeah from from weather mm-hmm. and temperature and rainfall and all that and when he's going to be expecting some of the better stuff so good show coming up oh and i'm loving this um, potato bread and salmon and potatoes and capers and ah Capers. Good it brings stuff. up brings up a, a, an off right. the side question. That, you uh, the talk first one to while type I in. eat. Oh, what are we going to give away? Something. No, we, we, yes, our knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> it comes very inexpensive. <laughs> no, no, our knowledge is extremely pricey because it, there's so little. <laughs> so little it's very, very and it's taken a lifetime to get it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, oh, cost man. per hour exactly. is quite no, high. It's very, very high. But okay, go ahead. Well, uh, bring on us the one, one or two bits of knowledge. Well, <laughs> <laughs> is all I know. But we are enjoying some capers with some grilled salmon mm. and potatoes and, and, mm. and sour cream and things wow. here. But 
with the wine, which is going actually really well together for the the, the richness and oil kind of nature of salmon. Some pretty heavy red wines can actually pair up. Uh, the salmon holds up really well with them, I, I think. But we have capers, mm. and the first one to respond with what a caper actually is uh, will receive a free T-shirt sometime in the future when we actually have seller dweller T-shirts. <laughs> okay. So if you want to get in there and register for the very first T-shirt um, ever, which I'm sure will also be quite valuable because it will be quite rare, just let us know what a caper is. Yes. We'll watch the chat. So um, while you were riding the Slippery Rock, last Sunday in September is always what they call the Great Race in, in Pittsburgh. And it is such a fun event. I was there on uh, Sunday. Oh, did you do the Great I Race? I did the Great Race. I didn't know you were doing Second the Great Race. Second year in a row. Uh, 10 kilometers, and you start up in, uh, you know, the, the Oakland area. not Oakland. sort of close to Pitt, University of yeah, Pittsburgh Yeah, exactly. Area. In fact, that was the fun of it. We ended up, after doing a couple of loops and running up some hills, you're going right down Fifth Avenue. You run right past Carnegie Mellon University, and then Pitt is there on your right. And, and then, finally, you start going down Long Hill. And I must say, with the amount of downhill running, your time looks great. Your thighs the next day are killing you because it's a killer going running downhill. Oh, isn't it? running downhill, especially since it's about a probably about one mile on that. Uh, it's a gentle grade, but you're running down all the way into the Golden tri- Triangle of downtown Pittsburgh. Down the wow. uh, Boulevard of the Allies, right? Exactly. Yeah, that's all downhill. Uh, it, what a fun event! With by the way, twelve thousand of my oh, closest such friends. A great, so that was great event. That was a very fun Sunday, I must say. Good for you. So we're staying active, running and cycling, and getting geared up for the '09 harvest. Getting ready. Uh, we're going to have to get the crusher to stemmer out and get it ready to go. Why? Because we buy grapes, real grapes. Absolutely. Real grapes. Now, if we can take just a little detour, I think... Um, Which is highly unusual for us. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, because this show is so linear and oh, predictable usually, so... but uh, we're going a little bit differently this time. I, I want to touch on that. We've got so many wonderful listener listener emails. Yeah, you uh, mentioned some good emails. Yeah, so let's uh, see if I can play cue the email theme from our buddy David out in California. So let's see if we got it here. Is it playing? All right, thanks, David, for the email theme. And by the way, David, David, David has sent us a... Oh, we forgot to turn off uh, call waiting there. We're going to get the call waiting tones every once in a while. So, I don't know, we'll be beeping out and in, you know, whatever. <laughs> like that. <laughs> like that, exactly. Ah, what else is uh, new for our show? But let me just touch on some of the people who sent us emails. So, um, a quick shout-out, I want to say uh, hi to Mike... I think it's, uh, you know, the hard thing is, uh, how do you pronounce people's names? Uh, But uh, F-R-E-A-M-E. So, uh, Mike, thanks for your email. Uh, Another Michael Ahrens wrote to us, uh, Jerry of jerryandtabby.com. Uh, we got a, an email from JW. Well, were any of these good emails, or did they call and say they hated us? I just want to. I'll. I'll. Uh, they were all like sort of welcome back. Ah, so just a shout cool. out to everybody. JW McKinney wrote to us. David Jones, uh, Jeff Hanlon, Tom Whitaker, Jerry Ward, John Bradford, um, our buddy David, who listened to the show and sent us a new uh, 
theme for oh. um, the wine gadgets, and also our our friend uh, Tim Bakta. So uh, let's just go back, and I'll I'll read one of these maybe representatives here. So um, uh, let's just look. Here's um, here's one from. Uh, Mike, uh, I think it's Frame, or uh, you know what? I mispronounce everything, so he'll he'll send me a I'm sure <laughs> email explaining how to correct correctly spell his name. But uh, he said uh, basically uh, we were talking last time about books, uh, wine books. Uh, we had somebody write in, you know, what are some good wine books? Of course, we had no no relevant advice on that. So he's helping us out here. It's true. Other than the, uh, the UC Davis, the UC Davis uh, sort of Bible of uh, of home winemaking, but we really uh, that that was a great question. Yeah. So here's what he says. He says um, uh, a book by uh, Sheridan Warwick, <clears throat> "The Way to Make Wine: How to Craft Superb Table Wines at Home." And in fact, he goes on to say uh, Steve Warwick's book is fantastic. Uh, you know, first up. Um, you read it, and it gives you the basics in a very easy-to-understand style. And then he recommends Techniques in Home Winemaking by Daniel, and I think it's uh, Pam Bianchini, but it's P-A-M-B-I-A-N-C-H-I. And then finally, the Home Winemaker's Manual by Lum Eiselman, E-I-S-E-L-M-A-N. So, Mike, thanks for that, passing on your recommendations. And uh, maybe just touch on one of these others, um, let's say... Uh, Oh, let's go to David Jones, who says, Hey, you two, turned on my computer this evening. I was um, working in the brewery, winery, and kicked iTunes into gear. And what did I find? I find you two. Welcome back to the podcasting community. And I, for one, and he's probably the only one, am really glad <laughs> that you're back, as I feel I can take at least 50% of the credit seeing you, seeing as I was one of the two people who sent you emails over the last 14 months. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you, David. I think uh, for sure uh, we can uh, give you credit for motivating us to be back on the air. And by the way, one other uh, photo, photograph here from Jerry Ward. Take a look at this. Uh, what he has done, he was um, uh, listening to our story about our punch-down oh, tool where yeah, I took like a dowel uh, yeah, and I, I attached a potato masher to yeah. the end of it. And, of course, every Thanksgiving when we, you know, once a year make mashed potatoes, I've got to go get my punch-down tool out of the basement. And that bring looks it up. like a uh, drain for a um, well, cap you for, a, are for a shower. Brilliant. Exactly. Is that what it would is? be stainless steel. It's right. not going to rust. Right. And so Jerry has written, he says, uh, I know in the past you two have described your potato masher on the end of a stick, so check this out. A stainless steel shower drain cover screwed to the end of a dowel, oak, of course, total cost, nine bucks at Home Depot. How so about that? I like it. Brilliant. And, uh, it I looks really like, like it, it would really work. In fact, it's probably quite a bit better than a potato masher because, you know, it's you've gonna, got probably a four-inch diameter more, there yeah. where you're going to... You know, push Excellent. It down. I love it. I love the fact that we actually got uh, the, the listener email theme with the email. But that was a lot of people writing to us, which was very cool. That's so, cool. cool. Thanks, and folks. We are being back in the saddle here with Thrilled uh, to be back the on the air. Yeah. I, I like that. I like That's that. That's a clever idea. Uh, stainless steel, a drain cover. Drain cover and punch it down, baby. Brilliant. Which we'll talk about why you would need that when you use real... real Great, great. So you have just committed a hell of a segue there, Passion One. <laughs> so why uh, why should, for our friends out there, I was looking, uh, by the way, I got a, a catalog, I think it was from Northern Brewing, showed up in the mail, and I was going through all Which, these, which is the old... Um, the old what? Northern Brewing was the old, uh, isn't it the, 
the old our old wine shop on no, I don't think so. That's Country huh? Wines. Did they change their name? No, they changed the name. Well, I I don't know. I got this name. I got this phenomenal catalog, but it was just page after page of kit. And I was sort of doing the math. Wine kits. Wine kits. And like it it uh, a brew wait a minute. A, a beer brewing magazine that had also wine kits. Yeah. Okay. And they had okay. the meads and I'm all the you. other stuff, but uh, yeah. uh I was going through the kits and sort of looking at the math on it and Mostly, if you do the kit wine, it's going to show up. You've got some kind of juice that's mostly, you know, probably reconstituted concentrate. And they actually, uh, apparently, we've never made kit wine, but apparently they send some um, maybe dehydrated grape skins with it that you can throw in to get some color and a little bit more je ne sais quoi. Um, the math was saying... Three, hey, 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 no politics. Okay, go No ahead. politics. Three or four or five dollars a bottle. Working from the kits, so why? No, wait, 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 wait. The cost of the the juice, you do not the, counting bottle or anything. No, not counting or bottle or cork. Or cork just or anything, your materials just for the wine. Materials going to be around three, three four, to five dollars. Exactly. That was what I was seeing from okay. from the magazine. Now, gotcha. I have no experience with kits, but why? You know, why wouldn't I just sign up for a kit? In fact, maybe if you've never made wine and you don't want to take the, you know, the big leap, that's a great way to go. And I think a lot of people do, but. It's a very but, easy way to start, yeah. Uh, so let's say I've been making wine from kits for, you know, a few years, and I'm getting some good results. Uh, friends are giving me the ultimate compliment, hey, this doesn't taste like homemade wine. Why would I want to think, now that we're here in early October, about going down and getting some real live grapes? Well, it's, I think this is a good show because we have Shirazimataz, uh chiming in that... Uh, this is going to be a good show for him because he's uh, going to be making the move from kits to grapes uh, this Australian autumn, which will be, oh, what, like April? Six, yeah, that's six months April, off. April, May, whatever. But... Okay, very cool. So glad to hear that. Well, you know, when you look at the amount of labor involved in, in going from grapes Com- relative, or compared to just buying juice. This salmon is unbelievable. Very good, isn't mm. it? Off of my brand new grill, which I just assembled wow. today. And we'll do I another am... show about people that package things for uh, assembly. I have got to do every show here at your, um, at your house. I'm, <laughs> I'm loving the food and wine. But, um, you know, there, there is literally, if you think about it, there's really one additional step to using grapes compared to buying juice, correct? I, I think I'm going to say two steps, but okay, tell me what the one additional step is. Well, we, we've not worked with kits, and, and I, I, there still has to be some sort of, uh, you're not going to be pressing juice, but some of the juice will have some skins in it. And if you do this reconstituted um, I draw, if you're going to add that to get the, the color and get, and get some of the tannins and things that have to come from the skins. It can't come from anywhere. I else. see. So you're saying the only step you're really skipping is the first well, crushing, the first crushing, stemming. You're still going to have the pressing later, to S- some degree. Okay, I'll buy that. Okay, I'll buy that. Um, and you know, if you look at the way wine's made, hey, it's made from crushed grapes. And so, if you're going to be putting the effort and time into this. Um, my goodness, why not do it like the pros? Why not do it from the way nature intended it with the grapes uh, and get the grapes, get your hands in there, dig in. I don't care if you only buy, you know, 100 pounds of grapes and you dig your hands into those things, taste the grapes. 
Check the grapes. Check the the sugar content. Check the uh, check the bricks of the grapes. Um, get your hands in there and then actually crush and break the skins and experience the first step of the process. Plus, <laughs> wait a second. I just have to interrupt here for a second. Our friend Jerry says Tog's one additional step is to drive over to Dave's house. Oh yes. <laughs> right. So that's actually a really good tip. So if if you can buddy up with somebody and make sure that the wine is made at his or her house, it's a lot easier. It's process. a lot easier. But there is a downside. I have to drive up. <laughs> no, there's a second <laughs> downside, although it um, it's not totally obvious. But it turns out there's a lot more evaporation when you make wine at somebody else's house than if you make it at your own. Well, and the 10 to 1 ratio thing <laughs> right, is another right. reason to try to make it at home. But, but thanks for pointing that Thanks, out. Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, uh, well, that's just all part of um, uh, uh, the control process that you go through. Mm. You know. It's all about quality control. Quality control. You've got to taste it every day make sure it's okay. Rich, I don't know how we did this, but mm. we lost uh, 12 cases of wine in quality control. <laughs> But anyway, um, and if you look at the cost, now this was really interesting to hear that the cost per bottle for a from a kit is roughly four or five dollars just for the for the juice part the materials, of the, right? The materials, not not bottle or cork, right? right, right. Okay, that is our highest end for our best quality grapes that we've ever purchased. Well, and there is the key point. So, well, so cost, you can't you can't argue against it from a cost standpoint. No, in fact, I think your your um, your kit wines, you know, just based on what I've heard, are not the highest end grapes in general. Now they, you know, the the kit manufacturers are doing their best to make um, you know a, a good product, and so they're supplementing it in every way possible. But frankly, I, I'm just going to. Um, um, speculate that, um, again, based on what I've heard, the the kit wines are probably the lower-end grapes typically, not the super premium where we're getting them for a buck forty a pound. So what we're getting at the high end of our cost versus a typical high end of a kit cost, I think is a much better quality input product. Absolutely, for roughly the same. For the same money. Same money, right. So the downside and that, is, by the way, that doesn't. That's not counterintuitive. Not, the kit manufacturers have to make a profit. Yeah, they yes. could not afford no. to put that high quality grape into their in their kit. And the intent of, of our show is not to put down kits and folks starting with kits. Absolutely not. Especially really low volumes of you know five gallons, ten gallons worth of, of wine. But um, gosh, when you are ready to make the next step, we highly encourage you and contact us with any questions or. or if there's uh, wine, home winemaking groups in your town or area, get in touch with them because the difference is staggering. Well, and, and to your point, the, the thrill, there's, there's a certain kind of, um, you know, I'm not like a super mystical person, but when you get your hands in those grapes. Well, you mystify the hell out of me every time <laughs> I talk to you. <laughs> mystical and mystifying, I think those are different words. But, you know, it's not hard to mystify either passionate one. <laughs> Watch uh, your, your hands. Your, your, your Watch point? Do, do you have a point? <laughs> <laughs> the point is I'm loving the salmon and the Syrah. But, no, the point is um, there is such a wonderful feeling to take actual grapes, you know, which are coming right off the vines, 
you know it's a product of the sun and the rain and the moon and the the uh, the grower and all that and uh, just work them through tasting them um measuring that uh, sugar content the acidity content right up front crushing them adding the yeast and watching it over the course of the next roughly 1 to 3 weeks depending on what you're you know what yeast you're using um tip to uh, listeners stay away from Osmanhausen that was a really slow one uh, but uh, whatever yeast you're using, it's going to take a certain amount of time. But one to three weeks, and you have wine at 12 or 13 or 14 or maybe even 15% alcohol. And that is, it's like a miracle. And I must say it is such a, <laughs> there's the dog. I've got some visitors. <laughs> okay, let the dog out. All right, go kill, kill, kill. That's our wine pooch, Cosmo. Yeah, Cosmo. He He's particularly fond of Cabernet, but I um, but no, I, and and I hear you, and, and obviously we we agree on this. Uh, uh, the the to 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 be a part of the process from grapes on on um, stems on bunches that you purchase, and to grab those things and start with that and end up with a fine wine is when, just is so much more gratifying than buying juice, which is almost sort of. Starting down the process when you get it. Yeah, right? exactly. You, it's it's um, skipping skipping a part of it that it's hard to put into words, but it's a tangible part of. Yeah, of the it's process. it's uh, you know just an equivalency. Um, personally, uh, here in Pennsylvania, there's a lot of wonderful corn grown every summer, and I love to stop at the you know farmers market and buy the cobs and. You know they're still you know they're they're not husked yet, and it's sort of the equivalent of and this is the best analogy I can give for anyone oh, who's ever done good. it. I think I know what you know doing. you buy the 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 corn on the cob with the husk and you work it right from the beginning versus you know buying a bag of canned uh, sorry a bag of frozen corn or a can of corn right. a can that's, of a good, corn. that's a good analogy and um, it's a different experience and it's a, actually a different taste so yeah. um, Which by is the way, why I have cows and pigs in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> I hate going to the butcher. And get, uh, it's already uh, cut yeah. and trimmed. I, I want the cow. I want to look him in the eyes. Hey, seriously, I was in Saudi Arabia a few years back, and there was the goat. And suddenly, uh, there you go. Yeah, the goat was standing was, there and then he was alive. Gone. And then we were eating roast goat, and uh, it is a bit of a bizarre experience. But with respect to wine, it is one of the really fun things. It's, you know, the other thing I must say about it, and I don't mean to sound sort of mystical here, but this is a process that goes back, what, maybe six or eight or 10,000 years in human history. At least 5,000 they, they've, they've linked to, of all places, Georgia, Russia. Really? The oldest known history of winemaking. Yep, Georgia, Russia. Yes, you can you can check me on that. I well, know you're the numbers guy, and you probably will. And you'll probably find out that it was actually in Toledo in '72. But <laughs> exactly. But, um, no, as far as I know, and I'll I'll be more than happy to be corrected on that. But from my investigation, over 5,000 years ago in Georgia, Russia. But here's the no no numbers guy. What are the, what would be the downside? What uh, in, in, in cost isn't an issue. We've already discussed that. Um, one additional step, but what else would there be? I mean, finding someone, finding a connection to get good grapes. Because well, if you're sure. going to get grapes that aren't going to be any better than the juice you're buying, then what's the bottom? Right now, I'm with you on that. Okay. I I, th- I would say the other thing though is that um, you know a kit. They're trying to hand you the total solution. 
in as easy a way as possible. So they, they will probably have made um, any kind of um, you know pH adjustments and right. sugar adjustments, acidity adjustments that need to be made. Whereas if you're making from grapes, this is one of the, the things that you should check. You want to look at your sugar level at a starting point. So, so there's some additional research in, in right. the chemistry well, and being able to adjust appro- appropriately if, you, if you're going with just grapes. Right. In fact, Jay Travis uh, Bradford is typing us a question here about yeast nutrient. Uh, yeah, um, you're going to add yeast. Uh, but uh, you're probably also going to want to feed that yeast. Uh, we typically use a product called Superferment, um, but um, you do want to um, make sure you're providing the right nutrients for the yeast so that it can fully do its job uh, in the grapes that you've got. And again, if you buy a kit, my guess is that's typically in there or they're going to provide it to you in the kit. So the so, kit, so it's a good way to start, but it's a good this way to is start. sort of a graduation to the next level, which you will be richly rewarded in the quality of your wine. I think so. Uh, I think you're going to end up with a better quality product for the same amount of money. Right. And frankly, um, you know, a much more passionate experience, much more of a connection. Oh, now you're hitting me where I've lived. There baby. you go. So, you know, if you're the, the kind of person who likes to go out and buy the um, the kit that has all the tacos and the seasoning and it's all ready to go, or even the pre-made tacos in the freezer, you know, that's that's fine. But to uh, make it all from, you know, original ingredients and seasonings, you, you end up with a um, probably a better product, one that's better fit to you, but certainly more of a connection to the experience. Yeah, and, so. and, and that, those are good analogies, but I think, <laughs> but. I think, but I think that I think you could buy a pretty darn good pre-made taco relative to a homemade one. I think you can make – I think the difference in starting with grapes compared to a kit with juice is even uh, – is a lot bigger chasm there, a lot lot different than the food analogy. Well, but and, here, and it feels different because um, your, your own personal involvement and degree of, um, you know, uh, contribution participation when you're literally starting with the grapes at the beginning – and you know, measuring the sugar level, acidity level, yeah. picking the yeast, right? That's a choice you can make when you've got your own grapes. And we typically take our grapes and break them into a couple batches and use different yeasts on the two different batches. Um, you know, which oaks do you put in? When you buy a kit, that's all predetermined by somebody else. And so your kit, with a little luck, is going to turn out like everybody else's kit. Whereas if you buy your own grapes and go beginning to end, uh, it's... Uh, you know, it's it's much more of your product, your contribution, much more personal. Yeah. And by the way, there's a few comments here uh, uh, about yeast nutrients, uh, the super ferment and things. Uh, we use it. Um, I don't know that there's a downside unless you screw up and throw 10 pounds of the stuff in there. Um, I, I can't think of a downside to it. I, I don't know. I don't know of any comment. Uh, yeah. that, uh, I've never heard anyone. Right. With any problem with uh, yeah, yeast defi- nutrients. Def- definitely want to go for that now. The um, the only other added time and expense to this, as we hit on lightly, was the, the crushing and distemming part, which, by the way, is pressing is fun and is wonderful, but crushing and distemming with the grapes, to me, is just uh, uh, maybe my favorite part of the, the, the winemaking process. Well, but, those are my two favorite nights yes, between they, the they two are. processes. They and, and just for anyone who is new to this, because I've talked to people and they do confuse these. Um, yeah, go ahead and finish off. <laughs> oh, did you want more? Um, but, but no, people confuse these. Um, 
from time to time. And so just to you know get the lingo correct, when you get the fresh grapes, what you're doing is crushing and destemming. And then, of course, they go for the fermentation. And then once they are fermented, then you press the... Uh, the fermented wine off of the skin. So crushing, destemming is up front, pressing is at the back. You know, just so um, if you've not heard those terms before, that's... Uh, yeah, pressing is when you actually have wine. I mean, the right. fermentation process is completed. You're pressing the juice out of the out of what's left of the of the skins. Right, and the first year, frankly, crushing and destemming is less fun because you don't have wine, there's no alcohol, but... Um, any year thereafter, frankly, both nights are fun nights because when you're, you know, crushing and destemming the new grapes, you're going to pull out the last year's vintage and taste it, and you know, wine and cheese and and so on. But but the the only added expense I wanted to bring up was that you'd need to rent a crusher, and the first year that we made wine, we rented just a crusher for 20 <laughs> but it was $25. $25, not a huge expense. And the crusher to stemmer was what, like $35? Right, but like we saved extra, 10 bucks on right, our 500 pounds. So please rent the crusher to stemmer. It's going to cost you about $35 to rent the thing, and they give you 24 hours or whatever they give you, you know. We, we own one now because we've been doing this long enough, but um, it, it literally crushes, breaks the, breaks the, the berries up, drops them down and sort of shreds them off of the off of the stems and shoots the stems out to the side and you just put, have it drop into a box right. or so a bucket. So 90 to 95% of the stems you're, are... You're, you're done, and it was saved so much work. We were up to like 4 or 5 in the morning the first year. But, you know, that was still a great experience. Oh, it was a great experience when we talk did it by hand. But we got wise and we got the crusher to stem for yeah, an extra Yeah, I agree with your yeah. advice. So definitely rent that, and you can find, or find that. find a friend who has one and borrow it, right? Find a friend who has we one and borrow it. We use ours exactly for about right. two or three hours a year, so we're yeah. happy to lend it. Hey, absolutely. If you're, if you're in the Pittsburgh area, the Pittsburgh area and need area, one, absolutely let us know. Stainless steel destemmer. 60 bucks, it's yours for a night. <laughs> 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 Actually, you know what? Truth be told, Bring us a bottle of wine, and you can have it for a week. You can have it for a week. That's right. Well, and, and, and the other thing is to look for clubs in your area because um, there are some winemaking clubs around Pittsburgh and in Butler just north of us, um, which is really great because you you sort of pitch into this thing, and, and you only need, like Dave mentioned, we literally use this thing. You, you mentioned three hours. We use it for about an hour, hour and a half, a year, or two maybe a year. That's yeah, it, we do. We might year. do 50. 1,500 to 2,000 pounds a yeah, year, once but frankly, you crank those things really You crank quick. it, it Absolutely. goes through, and, um, and you can get together with other friends, and they've got their grapes, you've got yours, you run them through, crush them, and, and take your own um, you know, crushed grapes home in your fermentation vat, however you want to, but there's lots of ways to do it, but... And you don't have to even invest in one of these things because to buy one, you know, it gets a little pricey, but you can rent them from wine, local wine stores. So there's a lot of options there to, to jump you up to that next level and get into grapes. Well, and I would point out even uh, back to Carl the Grape Man, heck, if, if you don't have your own crusher destemmer, Carl has one. And probably well, he'll actually a lot do of, it there. Yeah, right. A lot, of, and so you're paying an extra, you know, what five dollars per, you know, thousand gallons or something. But Carl will crush, crush and destem your grapes for you. By the way, um, Jerry, I saw the Steelers scored a touchdown. The Steelers are playing San Diego tonight. We're one two, which is just a little mm. scary this year. It's a year. little sort of must uh, win at this point. Yeah, anyone uh, just keep us up to date if you're, uh, you know, live with this whole deal here. Let us know what's happening there. 
Uh, okay, so I think we should talk wine gadgets. Wine gadgets? Yeah, gadgets, which is a new There's segment a of the show. There's a lot of wine gadgets out there. there. We're there in the are, wrong business. And, you know, I, I don't know. know why I went into dentistry. I should have been <laughs> I a, wine, have gone to wine gadgets. a goofy wine gadget well, guy. Our friend David out of California has sent us a new theme for the wine gadget segment uh, of the show. So uh, let me just play that uh, right here for you. Welcome to the Cellar Dwellers Wine Gadget segment. Is that a wine gadget in your pocket, or are you just glad to see me? <laughs> is that a wine gadget in your pocket? He's so There's a whole new warning meaning to corkscrew. <laughs> Thank you David for that. David is brilliant uh, out in man. California. Thank yeah. you. All of our themes, actually, save for our intro and outro, have been produced by David. By David. Completely as a volunteer. Uh, now we do send him some wine from time to time. I think we owe him some more. I, but, we definitely uh, do. And there, thank uh, you, Yet David, another for, theme. For that. And, of course, you, <laughs> you see that we have rediscovered all the lost um, uh, intros uh, from you know years past. So I, I spent some time searching hard disks for those. So t- the wine gadget, I thought, okay, what are we going to feature this time? I went to Google and I typed in wine gadgets and I came up with a website named winegadgets.net. There's actually a website there is a named website. Wine Gadgets. <clears throat> wine Gadgets. That's how many gadgets. <laughs> Unbelievable. That's why, you know, Dave, the more I hang around with you, the more I start to believe you, it is marketing. <laughs> it's all about That's marketing, important. baby. It's all about <laughs> marketing. It's not about your product. It's not about... Ay, ay, ay. Oh, my all right, goodness. so uh, winegadgets.net has a variety of uh, what might be called wine savers. Now, we've talked about this in years past. And we Oh, so they have they have a whole section of they wine, do, wine savers, savers, right? They've which got is the professional open the a bottle. Right. Exactly. Open a wine. bottle, you're not going to drink it all, you want to save it for another day. Exactly, which never okay. happens around here, but apparently not this a is a problem, problem that some people have. Which is weird. Uh, which is weird to anybody whatever I don't think you need one. Really of these, know but. why one would need to preserve a bottle for more than you know, maybe sixty minutes or so. <laughs> but uh, that said, apparently it does happen to some people. Straight. Maybe if you want to open up a bunch of bottles and sample from different things, okay, or expensive bottles, and you're g- drinking the cheap stuff and a little There's bit of There's some households where this kind of might, gadget could come in uh, handy. Might I sense. guess. Yeah, in theory. In theory. <laughs> in theory. So we talked a few uh, years ago about, uh, we were excited about, we had this uh, this can, you buy the can, and it, it even says on the can, it is not empty, because it was so light, uh, but it's not empty, and you would turn that thing over, and you would... <laughs> you, sh- you bought that? <laughs> I did. Talk <laughs> about marketing. <laughs> they sold you an empty uh, yeah, can an empty for can. 10 right, bucks. Exactly. Oh. It was full of uh, nitrogen. <laughs> full of nitrogen. Oh, man. Oh, they're laughing right yeah. now. Go ahead. Exactly. Sorry. Well, the bottom line is that... Uh, one of our listeners wrote in and he said, hey, nitrogen, seriously, nitrogen is lighter than air. So you shoot that stuff in, it's going to shoot right back out. Defeating the whole purpose. Right. I mean, air that is 70% a- nitrogen, but you got oxygen, carbon dioxide, whatever. So the wine saver that we get from winegadgets.net <laughs> is um, argon gas. It's completely inert and two and a half times heavier than oxygen. And of course, oxygen is the enemy of wine. So... I can buy this wonderful 
uh, home wine saver. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. I got to break in here. I'm not the numbers guy. I'm just the passionate one. I'm the other guy. Yeah. Two and a half times heavier than oxygen. But what? How much heavier is it than air? Oh well, I guess which is seventy percent nitrogen. Right. So we'd have to compute the average weight of oxygen, nitrogen, and of course now that humans have caused so much uh, global warming through introducing Hold on, I got to sneeze. I got to sneeze. <laughs> Bullshit. I'm sorry. Go ahead. If anyone ever wants to get the other guy's goat, <laughs> this is how to do it. Just a little, little tip. Okay. I'm going to shoot some argon at you right now. <laughs> you can okay, always so- get the other guy stirred up by talking about human-induced global warming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, which is why I've got cows farting in my backyard. Uh, I bet now, you do. Now, 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 tell me. So, but the point is that argon is so many times heavier than air. Well, I'll accept two and a half, even though it's oxygen. Uh, why they related it just to oxygen just, rather than air? Quick little uh, marketing glib here. So, the atomic weight. Let's just go to the periodic table, okay? Okay. The atomic weight of carbon, the number right. of protons, right, in the nucleus is Six of carbon. Why are you going right to carbon? Well, carbon dioxide. But that's just carbon. That's the, that's the nitrogen is seven. Oxygen is eight. Okay. You with me? These are light gases, right? Helium is two. Hydrogen is one. Those are the lightest gases. So I'm just right. way down here right. at the light ones. Whereas argon is eighteen ah. on atomic weight. Okay. I'll, I'll two buy two and a half times. I'll buy it now. Okay. I just you know wanted to. Prove that I wasn't. I don't. A, I don't buy anything without a periodic okay, table. Well, there you go. There's your periodic table. So the wine saver home uh, actually appears to allow. No, no, you say wine saver home because there's also a commercial version of this well, process. There, there correct. Is, right. They, on this wine gadget website, the Wine Saver Pro. So, okay. so any of you out there that have more money than you know what to do. <laughs> I said more money than you know what to do with. Even if it's a recession, the Wine Saver Pro will allow you to preserve five bottles at a time. And what it does is as you dispense the wine, you don't have to tip it. Uh, they're actually using pressurized argon to pump into the bottle as you pump out the wine. So what you get, you buy some sort of canister and some well, sort of hose and yeah, it's valve system the, that you hook into exactly the top of your bottle. what the Wine Saver Pro is. So Wine Saver Pro for you restaurateurs, $1,195. The Wine Saver Home budget price of $695. So are you with me here, passionate one? We're going to preserve <laughs> three bottles Oh, that's my head hitting the table. At a time for the small price of $700. Plus well, shipping. it probably preserves and a lot more than three bottles. No, I mean, no, once you're set up. There's the picture. It's three bottles. But then the argon. Oh, no, no. The three bottles at a time. Sure. But then the can, refills, have to, it can't be that much per. Uh, that's just insane. That's, um, that's even beyond stupidity. No, there. no. That was. Um, Three bottles at a time, but you're right. Argon recharge, uh, the price is uh, 30 bucks for a two-pack, plus $5 shipping. And, and how many bottles would that? We don't know. 12 to 15 bottles. That's what it says on the website. Oh, boy, this is a little pricey. A little pricey. Preserve one. But, I'd rather you know, just drink you're... it and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather wake up with a hangover than say that. <laughs> 
deserve I, a couple bottles of wine. I like your I like your thinking. Oh, I like your thinking. Goodness gracious. Well, that's my wine gadget for the uh, for the night. So. Okay, so I'm going to handle the wine gadget for the next three years, <laughs> folks. <laughs> Something a little more practical. Now, here, I'm going to counter... That was winegadgets.net, baby. I'm going to counter your $80 a bottle to preserve a, a $12 <laughs> bottle of wine Okay. with the old... In fact, I had one of these. Mm. I've got to I've got to. I know where it. you're going. I know where the you're going. The old vacuum pump. There is just a fitting. It just looks like a... Um, and, you know, a cap that will go over the top of your bottle. It's gray rubber, isn't it, with a little slit in the top of it? Well, no, we it didn't have a slit. Thing? It had two little, two little nubs that stuck up. Ah, okay. But you a little then, different than the one I had. But yeah, then you then you and you there a was a pump. There was a pump with a rubber gasket that fit over top of yep. that, yep. and you pumped and actually were sucking the air out rather than in. It's sort of a reverse valve from what would be a bicycle pump or a football pump or something. And it would actually suck the air out. So everything's just sort of just, all the valves are just sort of flipped around, basically, right. from what you're used to. And when you're done, you do this thing, because it just sets on top with a rubber seal, you just lift it off, and this cap that you have on top is sealed to the bottle with a vacuum. And to release it, there's just two little buttons, two little nubs that step up that you just press together, and it opens up the valve, lets the air back in, and you open it up and reserve the wine. I had that for years. It's probably about, oh, I don't know, $10, $15. I mean, it's cheap, and it's totally, completely reusable for multiple bottles. Um, you're creating a vacuum. You're getting the air and the oxygen out of there. I can't think of a better way and a less expensive way to, to preserve a, a good bottle of wine that you've opened foolishly in front of friends who you shouldn't have, <laughs> which I, I stopped so making that mistake years ago, not which is probably you. why I haven't replaced this no, thing. No, no, if you get this wine saver, you are unique. If you get your little stupid pump for 15 bucks, <laughs> you're like every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there. I mean, what is, where, where's the um, ostentatious consumption, what? Hold the phone there, oh, big wait partner. Second. Oh, wait, wait. More sound effects. Here we go. Let's try Tom, Dick, and Harry. The Numbers Guide shall now consult thine holy book of idioms. Ah, Tom, Dick, and Harry. That's you, Tom, ah, Dick, and Harry. This is one of my favorites. No. Tom, Dick, and Harry. Seriously. Yes, this is one of my favorites. All right, I'm listening. Well, it is typically to refer to... Any sort of Joe Schmo, Joe Bag of Donuts, Joe Couch Potato, right? The other guy. It goes, it goes right. back. <laughs> <laughs> That's the T in it's <laughs> T-O, Tog, Dick, and Harry. <laughs> okay. Are you done over there, Numbers Guy? But this is an idiom, believe it or not, and we have found this in the Scholastic Dictionary of Idioms. Marvin Terban. Marvin Terban. On page 57. Please enlighten me. Enlighten me. Well, the meaning is that it's sort of every person possible, especially sort of very ordinary people. Run of the mill. Anybody who buys a wine vacuum pump. Okay. Must be sort of ordinary run (laughs) of the mill. Right. Okay. Whereas anyone that buys argon must be a Democrat. Anyway. (laughs) No, no. Oh, was I political there? (laughs) Sorry. At least you weren't attacking the French. Thank God. No, they would never throw argon. They're they're smart enough to know not to do that. Um, they're, so they're, what, what? Enlighten us. What the heck is Tom, Dick, and Harry? Well, as many of these idioms originate from yes. English mm. history 
and specifically William Shakespeare. And this one is no exception. Wow. Origin, William Shakespeare used a phrase like this in one of his plays around 1600, over 400 years ago. But the last of the three names he used was Francis. So it was Tom, Dick, and Francis, not Tom, Dick, and Harry. But in the early 1800s, a lot of men in England were named Harry. That name replaced Francis and joined Tom, Dick, and Dick, also common names at that time, to stand for anybody and everybody, including including ordinary people of low social status. (laughs) And at that point... That's that me. Point. Yeah. Um, so Tom, Dick, and Harry is a put-down, usually spoken by a person who thinks that he or she is better than other people, hence the numbers <laughs> come <laughs> now, I just You and your argon can take a hike, buddy. <laughs> we can't, can't reveal any official names here, uh, passionate one, but your father's name is? Oh no no I don't want to reveal my name so I'm not I am That's not the official name that's not I, your official name I am part of Tom Dick and All Harry. right we're just going to say and leave it at that there is a father who and has a, I have a father and my son and, and myself you. our three names comprise Tom Dick and Harry That which, is really amazing And we are ordinary guys Yeah very interesting very interesting So gadget segment Go for the suction rather than the argon, because argon really sucks. Oh man! After I explain the atomic Who weight, would spend uh, that to to preserve a bo- I mean, even a restaurant that just seems insane to me. You know, where where you're opening bottles. I mean, wine bars. I can understand, you know, needing to preserve it. But would a good wine bar serve a decent bottle of red wine a night later, a, a day later, you know, so if you opened oh, oh, a oh. bottle of whatever tonight. No, there, it, there are some. That I, that I don't believe. No, they there should. are some um, wine bars, and this is where I think the, uh, I know that's gone empty. It's a tragedy. Uh, there are some wine bars where you can walk in and get uh, oh, know, I know. amazing, Unbelievable. You, know, you want a shot, right. uh, you know, uh, three ounces of Opus or, you know, whatever, favorite uh, wine, and they're, they are generally doing it with argon, and the wine will last for many weeks as long as it's not exposed to oxygen. So there is some, you know, science. There's a few pretty high-end wine bars that this could I could see being worthwhile. But for the home connoisseur Yeah, home I don't know why a home person would ever have a bottle uh, of wine for more than a night. So, hey, uh, Jerry chimes in, Stiller's 14, San Diego, nothing. Thanks, Jerry, for the update. Ah, good deal. Yeah, in fact, we should probably uh, try to drive this show to closure so we can go watch the game ourselves. We should, but we have one more segment we want to get to. We do, and I think the segment, if I can press the button here correctly and get the sound effects. And by the way, I do want to say one last email, which I didn't uh, read, was, uh, from last week's show, it says thank you for uh, last week's show of an hour and five minutes. Uh, we enjoyed the hour and four minutes that the other guy read his two news items. Oh, <laughs> that was from you. <laughs> you know, let's just see if we can be a little snappier this time. You know, wait till you hear wait till you hear the numbers guy read a news segment. <laughs> wait, wait, I got a news Holy segment. Your here. kids will be graduating uh, from college. I have a news segment here someplace. I I seem to have lost it. 
actually. So, what is your uh, wine? Oh, what is your wine news? That are passionate one. See, I could have been done by the time you putzed around there. <laughs> this just in, of course. Hot off the press from OregonLive.com. Actually, I find OregonLive.com. OregonLive.com, right. the state of Oregon, which right, makes them. some awesome wines. They do. But his, this is the headline, Trouble Ahead for Oregon Wineries. Ooh, seriously. From the Associated Press, actually, from AP, Portland, wow. Oregon. Unsold inventory and a public reluctance to continue purchasing premium wines, hence the economy, uh, could lead to problems for Oregon vintners. Uh Industrial analysts say that Oregonian, uh, in the Oregonian, which is a paper there, uh, the economic events are threatening the, the state's $1 billion wine industry. Now, I would have never dollars? guessed that Oregon was doing a billion dollars in wine. Sales. That actually is a little surprising. That's very surprising to me. So there's hmm. actually, uh, let me continue. All right. Hence why it takes me so long to get through an article. Let me not slow it down. An early analysis says that the 09 vintage of Oregon wine show promise, but analysts say the unsold oh. inventory oh. from poorly received 07 Ooh. vintage oh, seven. could stymie oh, the state's wineries. Now, here's the other interesting stats. There are... Oh, let me find it. I'm having a little technical problem. <laughs> this is fascinating. Little technical problem. Where did it go? Oh boy. Hold on. Now I've just found a, a story here. Oceans of imports won't drown out Oregon wine industry. I think we've got some dueling some wine some news here. Wine apparently. News? Wow. That's interesting. Of course, I'm I'm reading from the uh, Caledonia Capital News, wherever that is. The what? The Caledonia Capital News. Well, some wine, uh, winery owners, owners say they're having problems finding the cash to pay for the glassware needed to even bottle oh. the 08 iron. Oh, man. That seriously. means just buying bottles to bottle it. You know what? That's I think they severe. Should, that they should sell it right out of the casks. We'll show up and buy it a barrel at a time. I like the idea. That is that is incredible. Uh, sorry, folks, I'm having a hard time finding the rest of the story here, which gave some of the stats on uh, Oregon uh, number of wineries and vintners. All oh. right, well, let me uh, please demonstrate how to uh, read a wine news item. Oh and, gosh. Uh, <laughs> grab a grab a pillow and a blanket. No, here it is. That's your alarm. This is what time you got to get to work tomorrow? UPI, uh, United Press International. The dog is back, and uh, it turns out that an empty store shelf will spur shoppers to buy the closest substitute for the product that isn't there, according to Canadian researchers. Oh, you can trust that. So, if we want to sell like some major Woodbine estates, maybe what we do is we make an empty shelf of Woodbine. I don't know. Woodbine or Woodland, Woodland Estates, and then we put the Woodbine Estates next to it, and uh, there you go. You sell it by playing on the psychology of that that has sold out. Hey Tom. Well, that has that's uh, the, you're just you're just talking marketing there. Uh, I'm talking psychology. <laughs> that is marketing, my friend. It is psychology. For some reason, my computer has lost the rest. All of All right, the story. so we're gonna play the wine news intro <laughs> again for listeners. 
Thank you, David. Thank you, David. All right. Well, while you look, I'm just going to touch on the one wine job that's out there. Uh, actually, there's, there's a, lot, a wine job. There's a wine job out there, folks. Uh, we try to feature a wine job on the show. You know, frankly, if you like uh, wine, why not work in the wine industry? And so, uh, from winejobs.com, folks, if you want to be a sommelier in Tucson, Arizona, Ooh, not a bad place to be. It's not a bad place to be. The Hacienda del Sol Guest Ranch Resort is now accepting applications for the sommelier of its award-winning restaurant. You need to have a minimum of seven to ten years of prison experience. Uh, Actually, that's proven experience. Managing a first-class wine program and a minimum level two sommelier certification. Uh, You'll be managing 1,700 plus uh, 1,700 plus wine lists. Oh, man, that sounds like fun. I could manage a 1,700-plus wine list. Uh, Buying, receiving, storage, inventory, management, and, of course, all the sommelier floor duties, staff education, planning, execution of special events, and retail sales development. Uh, Submit your resume. Uh, By the way, salary here is going to be 45 to 50K plus incentives. I what what, what do you think incentives would be? Well, I think that whatever falls off the back of the truck. You know, this, uh, who's going to notice if a few of the 1,700-plus uh, wines disappear? Uh, you want to contact Tom Firth, F-I-R-T-H, at Hacienda del Sol Resort. Telephone number 520-901-1400 or T.P. Firth. That's T.P. as in Tom Peter Firth, F-I-R-T-H, at Comcast.net. So apply for the job, folks. It's waiting for you out there. In, in Tucson, Oregon. Wine Sommelier in so Tucson, Tucson, Arizona. But where do you get seven to eight years, what, is that what it said, of, of experience as a sommelier? Uh, that's a good and question. And what's involved in your education to come out and get 40 or 50K? And what are the incentives? It's got to be wine, to, total wine. It's got to be based on wine. Here's sales, my right? answer. It's just OJT, baby, OJT, on-the-job training. I have had several decades of on-the-job training as a, a wine sommelier based on all of the uh, mostly red wine that I've concern, consumed. So I think, uh, you know, maybe I'll send my resume. All right, when are we going to be back for our next show there, passionate one? Let's plan on two weeks from tomorrow. Oh, two night. weeks. Two weeks, not four weeks. Not like I said, we've four ever weeks been, from tomorrow night. <laughs> never been true to what we said before. But what the heck? Two I weeks think we, or four weeks? I think we can plan on four weeks from... from All right. Although that, that will put us into... Well, will that be the first uh, Monday in November? Is that correct? Uh, like yeah, be. it would be. That would be, that'd be a perfect time. All right. So, folks, uh, we're going to come back Monday, November 2nd, 8 or 9 o'clock. Look for the email invitation. If you want to be on our invitation list, send us email at sellerdwellers, plural, sellerdwellers at talkshoe, T-A-L-K-S-H-O-E dot com. And of course, we'd love to hear from you, your emails. It was so exciting to get all the great uh, positive feedback about us being back on the air with our podcast here. Uh, we would love to hear from you, answer your questions. I write back to a lot of the people who email us uh, directly. Um, you know, I sent out a recipe this week for blackberry wine that we talked back on uh, show 43. And, uh, of course, we did the sauerkraut episode and so on. So thank you for all the input. And uh, we are the uh, cellar dwellers. That is TalkShoe.com. And uh, just look for 
uh, show ID or call ID 18. 18. That's how far yeah, back we 18 go. 18 pound. Yeah, we're one of the original. How many are there now? Uh, there's more than, um, I think they've crossed 100,000. Wow. Yeah, so believe it or not. We're number in fact, 18. I think they're around 200,000, and we're number 18. So there you go. Anything else you want to close up here well, with a uh, passionate one? The more you drink, the better we Oh, go. yes, absolutely. We should have said that early on, although hopefully... <laughs> You might have enjoyed this show. Exactly. We said you know that from the get-go. Go get back, and drink heavily, then listen to the replay. We'll be a heck of a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's. Uh, I think we've got an actual outro here. You know, some going out music uh, in theory. Beautiful. Are you hearing it coming? We'll up see there? you in four weeks. First weekend of first Monday of November. First Cheers. Monday of November. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.